Glory to God. Let's quickly turn our Bibles to Luke chapter number 10 and verse 30 to 37. In the portion of Scripture, the Bible teaches us of a parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, I want you to particularly pay attention to what was happening in this portion of Scripture. Our Bible reader, you can just read for us. Luke 10, start from about verse 30. The Bible reads, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothes, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and he saw him, and he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring an oil and wine, and he set him on his animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come again I will repay you so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves and he said he who showed mercy he who showed mercy on him then Jesus said go and do likewise praise be to God so the Bible is showing us a story or rather a parable of uh, the Good Samaritan. And Jesus is explaining to the people or the lawyer or the one that posed out the question. He's explaining to them what happened when a certain man was moving. The Bible says this man when he was moving from one place to another was attacked by thieves. And when he was attacked by thieves, he was left half dead. Now, in that moment where he was left half dead, quite a number of people were passing by and saw the condition of this man. But when they saw the condition of this man, these people responded differently. 
Now, it's very interesting that the first person that was identified to observe the thief, or rather the person who was wounded, was a priest. Amen and amen. Who was a priest in, in, in these days, we would say a man of God, a pastor. All right. So the Bible says this priest noticed somebody is wounded on the ground and is half dead. But when he noticed it, he decided to cross the road and go to the other side. In short, he ignored him and did not give him attention. Then the second person who was moving along the road is somebody by the name, or not rather by the name, but was a Levite. Now you observe that a Levite is simply one of the tribes of the tribes of Israel, in fact, this is the tribe where priests come from. Amen and amen. So in short, the first person to pass by was the pastor. Then the next person to pass by was the church member. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then the Bible tells us later, a Samaritan, a person who was considered to be an outcast passed by but this time this one did not cross the road what did he do the bible says he had compassion and when he had compassion the bible tells us he later on carried the person uh, gave him accommodation at a hotel and you know paid the bills amen and amen and Jesus was talking to the lawyer. He was simply trying to tell this person, saying, Look, you are talking about inheriting eternal life. You are talking about being a good Christian, in inverted commas. So he says, if you do these things, if you practice these things, you will be counted as a good Christian. Now, I'm driving somewhere and I want to show you something. I want to show you that from 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 1, going to about verse 5, the Bible tells us that there are going to be certain people or there are going to be certain activities that are going to happen in the last days. And the Bible tells us some of these activities that we're going to see is that we're going to see people being greedy. We're going to see people being uh, lovers of the world. We're going to see people you know, hate one another. We're going to see people, you know, do quite a number of things altogether. But it's very, very interesting. That very thing that was spoken about in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 1, is what we see in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Why? Because we are seeing a pastor. We are seeing a man of God. And we are seeing a Levite and a church member practice things that the last days that the scriptures tell us these things will be happening in the last days so what are we seeing the man of god or the priest is seeing someone that is dead but he's ignoring why he's got attention towards other things the levite and the church member is seeing someone that's dead and needs help but he's ignoring why his focus is on other things but now i want to i want to show you something because sometimes people don't understand this aspect uh of of 
of Christianity, that's important. And if, if we're not careful, we might find ourselves operating like the priest or like the Levite, okay? You see, it's not about, no, I go to church. It's not about, no, I am consistent. It's not about, no, this is my title as a pastor, or this is my title as a deacon, or this is my title as a leader. No, it's about exerting the right actions as a Christian. And in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse 5, maybe let me start from uh, uh, maybe like verse 1. It says, but you know, in the last days, there's going to be uh, perilous moments for men will be lovers of themselves. They'll be lovers of money. They'll be boasters. They'll be proud. They'll be blasphemers, disobedient to parents, thankful and unthankful, unholy, unforgiving. Uh, and then in verse 5, the Bible says, these will have a form of godliness, but deny its power thereof. The reason they are unthankful, the reason they are ungodly, the reason they love money, the reason they love to boast, the reason they love many of these other things is because, yes, they carry a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. What am I trying to say? There are people who have an outlook of Christianity but will reject the power of Christ. Why is the power available? The power is available to work in you and to work through you. The priest and the Levite are failing to minister to the half-dead person. But they are in departments. While they are in departments, they deny the power to work through them and in them. So they can't have compassion. But they are consistent at church. Praise be to God. This is something that I, I really want us to see because sometimes you need to come to a place where you weigh yourself and weigh how you are operating as a Christian to ensure that you do not become an end-time Pharisee. These people whom the Bible actually says is, look at, in verse 5 it says, they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. He's describing people. Now, look at what Paul says, in the, not even in the next chapter. In the same verse, he says, Such turn away from them. What does it mean when he says turn away from them? The first level is avoid people who are like that. How do I avoid which people who are like that? The ones who have been revealed from verse 1 to verse 5. Avoid people who are like that. This turn away. But the second level of avoiding is don't become them. So sometimes you can avoid people who are like that, but there's another place of avoiding by not becoming such kind of a people. 
glory to God. And this is the exact thing we see in the Pharisees in the life of Jesus Christ or even in the, uh, in the church. We had the Pharisees whom had the form of godliness. And Jesus even up would say such things about their godliness. He would say, ah, you, actually, you guys actually pay tithe. You guys actually do this. You guys actually caught the law. These guys, these experts in the law would quote for you Genesis to Deuteronomy word by word. That's how much, that's why they were called experts. <laughs> so they had a form of godliness. But the Bible says they were denying. This simply means to be a healthy Christian or to walk in effective Christianity you need to have both godliness and the power that makes you godly you will see in a moment how sometimes people deny you know the power thereof when you study John chapter number 8 Starting from uh, verse 37. My read, I don't know if you're there. John chapter number 8, starting from verse 37, we see something very interesting because Jesus right now is talking to the Pharisees. And when he's talking to the Pharisees, he's beginning to say something. Yes, read for me verse 37. It reads. Please be louder. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. All right, stop there. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and the first thing he says is that, I know you are Abraham's descendants. All right? So the Pharisees are what? Abraham's descendants, according to Jesus' explanation. Uh -huh. Go ahead. But you seek to kill me, uh -huh. because my word has no place in you. Uh -huh. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. All right, what, does it, what is he saying? He's saying, <laughs> I, he's saying me, you guys, you're Abraham's descendants, but you want to kill me. Me, I do things for my father, but you, you're doing things for your father. Mm, but these guys were religious. So in short, Jesus was saying, you're just identified with Abraham. You are just a church goer. And Jesus is saying, me, I've got certain, I, I, have the, I, I relate a certain way with my father. But you, what you do, same, same with your father. Read further. We want to know the, the fathers, the, the Pharisees, the fathers, Pharisees, the, yeah, the Pharisees, <laughs> the father for the Pharisees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They answered and said to him, Uh-huh. Abraham is our father. Ah, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. But did Jesus start by saying, Abraham is your father? No, he says you are descendants of Abraham. <laughs> he didn't say, you guys are children of Abraham. He started by saying, you guys are descendants <laughs> of Abraham. 
you are. <laughs> then this guy is going to begin to say, Abraham is our father. So, what does Jesus respond to them? Be louder, please. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. See that? He says, There's nothing. You're not Abraham's children. If you are Abraham's children, you are going to do the works of Abraham. In short, you have a form of godliness as descendants, but you deny the power thereof. He goes on later, Jesus goes on later and begins to talk about... Uh, he be, okay, just read further. But now you seek to kill me, a uh -huh. man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Yeah. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Do you see that? So now they begin to say, Ah, Ise, we are not born of fornication. Ise, we live properly. In fact, our father is Jehovah. One God fear. One. Uh-huh. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceed forth and came from him. I proceeded forth and came from God. All right, stop there. Jesus shushes them. If God was your father, you would have loved me. Why don't you love me? Why do you want to kill me? So have you seen that it's possible to declare God as your God when he's not your God? It's, to, it's possible to declare God as your father when he's not your father. And that's what many people are doing on social media. And they will sing songs about him. God did. When their actions was set and did. And when we tell them, God is not your father, they will say, who are you to judge me? Read further. Why do you not understand my speech? Jesus because is now frustrated. Why don't you understand me? If, you, if God was your father, you would have loved me. You want to kill me. How is God your father? Because me and God, same, same WhatsApp group. So which WhatsApp group are you talking about? I'm telling you, you've got another father. You are saying Abraham. No, your father is not Abraham. Your father is not God. Yeah. Because you are not able to listen to my word. Mm -hmm. You are of your father, the devil. Uh -huh. He now and reveals to them their father. He says, you want to know your father? It seems like you want me. I don't want to now go into corners, pieces. You read the scriptures, but your father is Satan. Why? Because Satan can also quote scriptures. But doesn't leave them. <laughs> There's a difference between quoting something and leaving something. If they were to leave the scriptures or live by the scriptures, yes, surely they would have been identified as the sons of God or the sons of Abraham. But they do not do the works of Abraham, neither do they do the works of God. So what, does the, what is the Bible saying? It's saying these guys simply have a form of godliness. They are able to say there is one God, there is one Jehovah. They are able to identify Abraham. They are able to say quite a number of things altogether. But unfortunately, their father is not God. 
they deny the power thereof. Now, this is why in Matthew chapter number 16, And the six, we're not going to read that. Jesus goes back to the disciples, his own people, and he tells them something. He says, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. He says, be careful of the living of the Pharisees. The yeast of the Pharisees, those who bake, understand what yeast is for. It's very important. It makes your bread bulge. It gives it a nice outlook with the properties of carbon dioxide and alcohol ethanol. So when we talk about the yeast of the Pharisees, we're talking about a way that is different. A way that is not correct, but will still make you rise. It will still make you look like you're happening. It will still make you look like you're a Christian. It will still make you look like, ah, what I'm doing is good. But even after you rise, God will say, I didn't want leavened bread. I want unleavened bread. Take away that yeast. Amen and amen. So when he says beware, it simply means there's a place in our life. We should not get so used to Christianity without the power of God. We should not get used to Christianity without the life of God. We should not get used to Christianity without God himself. People run churches without the Holy Spirit nowadays. They run movements without him. They do so many things in the name of God without him. They have a form of godliness, but the power is laid aside. And we've said, if you have this, you will become and transition to become an end-time Pharisee. Now, there's a problem with becoming a Pharisee. Number one, when you transition to become a Pharisee, you, you blur or nullify your discernment. You start lacking in discernment. Why am I saying you start lacking in discernment? Do you know that the Pharisees who were considered to be teachers of the law, who were considered to be men of God, did not know that Jesus was the Son of God? They couldn't tell. They read all the scriptures. They understood Deuteronomy 18, which says a prophet will come among a stew. <laughs> who will be like Moses. They knew all those things, that there's going to be someone who's going to come. But they, they were unable to recognize Jesus. They would nothing. In fact, even demons recognized Jesus. They said, we know you are the son of God. 
Mino uku mubusa. Blank. Not even that. Even John the Baptist, who was a baby, <laughs> recognized Jesus in the womb of Elizabeth. He just came in close contact with Jesus. Chibaka. He kicked like, hey, maskatos keriatos. <laughs> the son of God is in that belly. <laughs> and Elizabeth was like, hey, 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 hey. Here. <laughs> John the Baptist was able to do that. An old man by the name of Simeon was able to do that. Him, how did he know it was Jesus? Him, he was just moving. Pa, pa, pa. He goes to the temple and suddenly he holds Jesus in the, in the hands without asking any questions. And he says, oh Lord, thank you for dismissing your servant greatly. Behold, I have seen your salvation. Just by holding a child, he's able to know he, this is Jesus. Me know the Pharisees. Who are you? <laughs> you are the. <laughs> they, would, they would tell him other things. In fact, they blasphemed even more. They would tell him, You're casting out demons by the finger of Beelzebub. They would say, Who are you? Who are this? Who are that? Who are this? That, that, that. And that's where the problem is. You can be in Christian circles. And that's why you observe in Christian circles, there is fighting amongst one another. You will find that you do something, or today maybe if I pray for someone and someone falls down, someone who will be an elder somewhere else will say, oh, they are staging things. How are you unable to identify what is authentic? Who is your father? These papas of nowadays, they just shan shan. That's why it's important to read your Bible, which they don't open and they don't have. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. So now you see the problem of becoming an end time Pharisee is that whilst you became a person who identified yourself as a christian when you deny the power thereof you will be unable to identify the power and when you are unable to identify the power you begin to fight the power so the end time pharisees there are two things that will fight fight the move of god number one the enemy has an agenda to fight the move of God. But number two, the Pharisees fight the move of God. So people within the church who deny the power thereof end up calling what is meant of God to be useless and to be satanic. Anything they see, they'll call it a cult. Do you even know what a cult is? For you to describe a cult, did you ever join a cult <laughs> or you're part of one? Do you ever know how a cult works? Amen and amen. So not only do they lack discernment, number two, they don't listen. They don't listen. You see, listening is, they don't listen. You see, the Bible tells us in the same second Corinth, uh, uh, Timothy chapter number three, 
after it tells us there are people who, den- who, who have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof, the Bible tells us that these people entice women in their homes. Then it goes on to say, these are ever learning, but do not come to the knowledge of the truth. It simply means they don't listen. So how do I know that I'm a Pharisee? Number one. (laughs) Number one. (laughs) If you are able to... Well, this is just one example. Number one, you will not listen. What do I mean when I say you will not listen? Every Sunday, they are preaching to you, delete those songs, delete those songs, delete those songs from January to December. You, you hear, you are ever learning but you don't come to the truth, Pharisee. Meaning you have a form of godliness, but you are denying the power of transformation. So what should you do? Dear Lord, I don't want to be a Pharisee in a garden. I want to be a... (laughs) They don't listen. You talk about the same things. No, live like this. Do this. Do this. Do this. You preach. You preach. They know you preach every time, but they don't listen. That's why <laughs> Jesus was telling the Pharisees, "Me, I tell you these things. I'm telling you these things, but you don't want to hear my words. You only do the works of your father, your father." Amen and amen. And it sounds obviously like an insult to them. How can you say our father is the devil? Us, our father is Abraham. But in actual sense, these guys lost their ear. So what's the solution to this? We need to understand that is why Paul, in the book of Philippians, is able to say, I consider everything useless, complete rubbish compared to the supreme advantage and surpassing knowledge of knowing God. Everything is useless. He goes on to say, "Mm -mm, Dear Lord, my desire is that I may know you and the of your resurrection I may know you it simply means whilst others deny the power others know the power and when you take that step to live your Christian walk doing the works of God it should be a Accompanied by acknowledging and knowing the power that brings your Christian life to life. And from there, when we get to that place, we will be preaching with evidence. We will be speaking with His presence. We will be acting a certain way. It starts by us coming to a place and say, Holy Spirit, 
I need you in my life. This Christian walk is void without you. We are comfortable now with living Christian lives without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are certain difficult questions that people uh, uh, would ask. We'll tell them, if you need counsel in this way, just ask the Holy Spirit. And then someone will tell us, but what if I can't hear him? Sometimes we can encourage you, no, at least maybe be close to someone who can hear him. But no, don't remain there. You need to say, mm -mm, me, I need to learn how to hear the Holy Spirit. But what, but what if me, I don't hear? No, you have to learn. You're not advantaged until you learn to walk in that. What if, what if he doesn't? You have to. You want to go somewhere, ask the Holy Spirit. I, I ask, for, when I ask, I ask everything. If I want to preach, I ask, what do I speak? If I want to lay hands, even laying hands, we don't just pray for you. Sometimes you find our cough and out of our move. If I haven't gotten anything, I'll be like, all right, all right. When the Lord says, okay, do it, I'll start. Reliance. There is a call in these days to have serious reliance on God and God alone. That way, we will listen easily because we have the power of transformation. That way, we will discern correctly because the power at work in us will not make us Pharisees but sons and daughters of wonders. Let's rise to our feet.